welcome to Raise Them Free. I love that you're with us. It's episode five. I can't believe January or 2021 is this far through. But I've got a special guest today because I thought it was about time we started to hear from some of the dads. And so, you know, I'm slightly biased, but I have Dave Thomas with me, who is my husband. Watch out. <laughs> First of all, just to kick off, Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm your husband. You can say what you're you like. know. Uh, no, actually, Saz, what's, when's my birthday? 19th of March. That is a miracle. It is. How long have you been married? Uh, 13 years. Nearly. No. <laughs> How many of those years did it take you to learn my birthday? 13. There we go. Fantastic. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm your husband and we got four amazing kids. And I work for our church, which is incredible and got an amazing kind of privilege of being involved in everything we do globally and, you know, creatively, which is awesome. I'm Welsh, but I don't sound Welsh because this year will be will mark a massive milestone of when I've lived more outside of Wales than I ever lived in it. So Oh, I know. Oh, I pulled him over the bridge. Blame the English wife. Blame <laughs> the English wife. Blame, oh, no. God knows where he wants us. Okay, so I've just got a couple of questions. I've had the absolute privilege, obviously, of living with Dave. Privilege? Privilege. It privilege. is a privilege. Of journeying parenting with Dave and seeing, <laughs> um, honestly, we've <laughs> we see each other at our best and our worst. And 2020 brought out all Both of, of those. <laughs> it brought out the best and the worst. Certainly in me, anyway. But Dave, what was your best moment of 2020? Okay, so I think, like everybody else, the best moments of 2020 were the ones that didn't feel like 2020. You mean January to yeah, March? Yeah, basically <laughs> January the first two months, the end of February. Um, <laughs> so we obviously managed to sneak a trip into the US. Yeah, we did. Legally, pre-pandemic. Yep. That was great. So some great memories there, seeing, you know, some of our best friends, seeing some great friends get married, eating pizza the size of your face. That was pretty awesome. New York with four kids was awesome. Yeah, we had a leadership team away at the end of January as well, and the guys chucked me off a snowy mountain on a rope. In the Highlands? Yeah, so that was pretty awesome. But no, obviously 2020 sucked and was very challenging, and obviously the pandemic continues to be so. But there were some pretty cool moments as well mm. so i remember when in the first uk lockdown the kids were like homeschooled our son just needed to get out the house everybody needed him to get out the house and so obviously you can't send a three slash four year old out of the house on their own so i took him to the woods nearby us and it was just the two of us nobody else was there and he's on my shoulders and we're walking on a track that we walk a ton as a family mm -hmm. And we've never, ever seen any wildlife, but we're walking down this track. He's just talking to me quietly. And then I hear this noise to my left and about 20, 30 feet from us was eight deer. And it was absolutely epic. And it was one of these moments where we both just, he knew it was like, you, I got to be quiet right now. Oh, and cool. they looked at us, we looked at them. And it was cool because it was like back, you know, when no one was going anywhere, everyone was at home. Proper lockdown. Yeah. First lockdown. And it was kind of like nature reclaiming the woods. So that was pretty cool. But do you remember the thunderstorms in the summer? No. Oh. Oh. People. Clearly, clearly some epic memories you have that I... Uh, yeah, memories I have of stuff we did. <laughs> <laughs> Give do me a bit more. Do you remember when we like stayed by the fields after having a really romantic meal and watched the lightning as we walked back? 
like, yes, I do. Oh, my Oh, it's all come grief. back to me now. It was when we had that really nice meal in Cote. So hold on a second. Let me ask you this, Saz. What's your? Do you have any memories of 2020 <laughs> of anything harsh. that we did together? I remember going to New York and we just landed. So the kids had jet lag. They'd been up since like what was Americans 4 a.m. in the morning. I d- it was early. And we went and got a coffee and went to the National History Museum. And when we walked in, you had to bin your entire coffee because yes. you weren't allowed a coffee in the museum. So That's one of my... Hold on, hold on. Your like favourite memories <laughs> is a memory of me missing out on a really nice coffee. No. My favourite memory is a romantic moment watching an epic like lightning show yeah. after a romantic meal. People, this is an insight into our marriage. No, it, no, that's not fair. <laughs> you put me on the spot. I was not ready. Okay, so those were your favourite moments of 2020. But there obviously have been loads of really hard moments for tw- of 2020. I'm so aware that for some people listening, they may have lost one, lost loved ones in 2020 as COVID spread around the world. Um, but one thing I've always wanted us to do on Raise Them Free is really reflect on ourselves personally because that's how we raise free kids when we get ourselves free. Yeah. So for you personally, what were some of your hardest moments? I think like for most people it's not like necessarily singular moments. I mean, there's there's one kind of moment, I think, where I realized the strain of 2020, but I think ultimately like the toughest stuff was, you know, not seeing friends and family, I think is obviously everybody's biggest one. Isn't it? In one way, I was super blessed because certainly in the front end of lockdown, my job was like crazy busy. You know, we were navigating lots and lots of different things, like everybody really trying to figure out how to live in this kind of new normal, as we said in these unprecedented times. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I think obviously just the weight of trying to lead, trying to make decisions when you just genuinely don't know which way is this going to go, which way that that's going to go. And I think that really the toughest thing of it all wasn't, you know, we've been blessed. We haven't had and, and we, you know, it's something we're so thankful for and hopefully someone will be able to say through to the whole end of this mm. you know period we haven't had a singular very very tough moment but i think it's just the erosiveness yeah. of the yeah it's true of the season yeah i mean obviously in and of itself like that it's tough but it also certainly for me created a moment where i could like realize some stuff about myself mm. and particularly i guess as a dad as well so even though they were tough they you know they've helped i guess bring uh bring me to a point but i think probably like if i if there was like a toughest moment i think it was like about july so about middle of the year obviously like three four months into covid and we just moved house again if you don't know like it's kind of our hobby and we were you know we'd moved house a couple of weeks and i came down one morning you asked me a question and i nearly like just snapped which is not like me no it's not no you know i'm i'm a passionate individual um i have my highs and my lows but i don't you know i don't snap and and it was like a silly like you just asked me something and and it was almost like the straw that broke the camel's back and i think for me like and i imagine that that's true for lots of people it wasn't like singular moments but there were probably moments where it was like oh right i'm feeling this Mm. or yeah it's true you know i'm having to i've had to work very differently or work hard Mm -hmm. obviously like 2020 has as a year come and gone but we find ourselves back (laughs) 
in, you know, probably like the toughest phase of this yeah. whole pandemic. Yeah. And certainly like I think a couple of weeks ago when I had to take on homeschooling <laughs> for the first time because you did all of that the first time around. Um, that was a tough week. <laughs> you did great, babe. Well, when when like when by kind of like three quarters of the way through the day, every one of our three kids in homeschool said, mum is way better and we don't <laughs> want you to do this again. You know, it was a bit of a morale. Oh, you were the kicker. supply teacher. They were fighting you. We Normally, all, we though, all the supply teacher, you know, like I wanted to be the cool supply teacher. I wanted to, at the end of the day, everybody to be like, Dad, we just wish yeah, you did this every pupils, day. Pupils don't like the supply teachers. Pupils push the supply teachers to their mats. I'm basically going to give them sweets next week. <laughs> I did sweets today with Benaya's maths. It's great. That is such a cheat. It's not a cheat. You told me I wasn't allowed to. It's strategic. Goodness. Anyway. Yeah, so sorry. I don't yeah, no not loads of like individual moments, but probably a few moments where it's like, you know, you feel the strain and it's like, oh man, this is wearing wearing. Huh. It, I, I definitely had a cry on Dave this week. And uh, for me it was the continual list of nothing being finished. It was the feeling of like the house isn't finished, the education isn't finished. My work isn't finished. My dream vision for this year isn't finished. I'm not finished. My exercise plan isn't finished. The playroom isn't finished. It's literally the idea that nothing ever gets done. And I think whether it's work or not being enough, I do. I definitely think what you said was really good about the erosive nature of it. I also think the monotonous nature of it, that it's like... The same. Yeah, the same. And you're not getting through. What did you... What have you done in light of that erosive nature to to like overcome those feelings? Well, I think the reason like it's super erosive, obviously like you just have like the legit challenge of like not seeing loved ones or work's more challenging or you've got to figure out how to do everything you were doing in a completely new way. That's all like just legit straight challenging. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that for the average individual for whom maybe this pandemic hasn't been like deeply personally painful. And obviously like we know that there are people that listen to this, that that, that is going to be the case. Mm. Um, and even though we've seen, you know, horrific numbers of people impacted by this, you know, a lot of people, um, it, the biggest strain is going to be like, you know, homeschooling or not work. So I think like one of the big things is we lost our old margin. So yeah, the things, the things that we used to trust in, to give us space or yeah. to re-energize, we True. lost our old margin. And so, you know, whether that was... Um, Do you know what mine was? What? Time in the car. 20 minutes a day, no kids, just 10 minutes silence, just an opportunity to pray, put my favorite music on, actually miss that like transitional space and getting your head from, you know, mum life into work life or... Yeah mum life into friend life or mum life into daughter life that is a margin that I really miss yeah and I think like we all have different things and you know different areas of margin whether it is like okay homeschool is like a perfect example like you saying okay nothing's ever finished the reality is is because you're now doing jobs that you didn't have to do before we were homeschooling do right you know aka teaching our three kids <laughs> and looking after the fourth one simultaneously <laughs> and so I think for me like what have I done in that is I've tried to not think that the actions I used to do is really what gave me margin. It was the things that the principles behind those actions that really gave me margin. 
So I'm um, like you driving the car, that example, it's like, okay, oh man, I just need to be able to go drive the car. No, it's actually just a bit of you space mm -hmm. for you to do what you want. Like Saz loves to have the music very loud in the car. Oh yeah. And even though I'm a musician, I don't actually like listening to music nope. in the car or even like communally, because if I'm listening to music, I want to, I want to concentrate on it. And so I don't think that your margin was, I got to drive and, mm -hmm. and I just can't wait to do that action again. It's like I had me space. So it's, I think what, I've tried That's to do good. is That's try to do. figure out what was actually underneath that action that I need to like reinvent yeah, and need to find like a new way of doing. Mm. Um, and I also think like a big thing is like, this is really confronted. Um, I just think certainly for me, like deeply bad rhythms of life. And I would, I hope humbly think that I'm like, you know, pretty good. <laughs> I would work too much i would defer to that i would pick up the extra meeting rather than making the space and i think mm -hmm. s strangely not having some of those things that you would have run to almost makes you sort of confront the life you've been living that's good and it's like oh hang on a second so you know like nothing of this pandemic has been good in the way of like people losing yeah. loved ones yeah. um losing jobs deep financial strain, mm -hmm. you know, people struggling to keep food mental on the health. table, mental health, all that stuff. It's like, it's been terrible and it continues to be. And, it, and you know, I don't want to paper over that, but at the same time, um, it's, it's offering us an opportunity for reflection and reinvention. Yeah. We want to get back to what we were doing. We want to get back to normal life. Mm. And actually, like, I certainly think for, like, me as a Christian... I don't want to rush back to normal life before I've gone through the transformation of why I'm walking through this season. Yeah. Like, I don't see this as just something that I've got to endure and get to the other side of. Is like, I want to get to the other side of this different. Yeah. Same and way. I think, I think when you have that perspective, it gives a bigger purpose to the things that are hard. Yeah. And it gives a bigger purpose to the things yeah, that does. you can't do. And so therefore, then you engage with them in a different way. Rather than sort of just, I guess, sitting and being like, oh, I just can't wait for this to be over, which, yeah. of course, I cannot wait for this to be over. It's like trusting that, you know, obviously for me as a Christian, I believe that God has purpose in every season. Yeah. So it's like, and a lesson every season. So it's like, okay, i got to figure out what you're trying to teach me here. Mm -hmm. And then it gives purpose to even some of the tough things. So it's like, I can't yeah. see certain people. Okay, what are you trying to teach me? I'm not minimizing the challenge of those things i'm just trying to find purpose in those things yeah it either makes you bitter or makes you better yeah and i think covid has the opportunity i think we could walk out I, honestly i actually think we could walk out bitter towards people who haven't been there enough for us or bitter towards our kids for like maybe how they've behaved during it or bitter towards the school that didn't do this or the government or our partners i think it's a high-pressure situation where you can play over in your head like it's not fair and it's not fair because of them, them, them and them. Or you can get better and recognise, okay, people might wrong me or my spouse isn't perfect or my kids are finding this hard and you can get better through it. Yeah, I think... And that's hard. Yeah, the reality is is that when this is said and done and we've got, you know, months or even a couple of years of hindsight, 
there's going to be stuff that people did get wrong. Oh, yeah. Like, there's going to be things. <laughs> I like, got things wrong. Yeah, like, individually, like, we'll look at it and, and we'll see those flaws. You know, and even, like, now, obviously, there are times where, you, you, you know, it's right to call that out in, you know, in, in certain spaces and places. Mm. Um, but I think what's unhealthy is when we are only pointing in the direction outside of us yeah. and not reflecting that same assessment on ourselves. Yes, good. And so, like, I once heard somebody say, you know, if you point your index finger at somebody, it's like there's three pointing back at you. Oh, yeah. But right now, when we're in the thick of it, I'm just going to try and concentrate on me. Mm-hmm. And because ultimately, I'm really the only person that I can actually completely control and influence yeah. anyway. It's true, true. And I think that, honestly, like, collectively if we reflected on ourselves and then went as passionately to transform the things we see in ourselves that aren't right, as well as, uh, you know, to the extent that I think in our world right now, we're passionate to point out how other people should do things differently. Mm. I think collectively that would benefit society. And that's not letting anybody off the hook who's doing something wrong, you know, societal things, because that's certainly not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, we live in a world where we're very focused on others and either others' success or their failure. Mm-hmm. And I think that adds to the fact that perhaps we, we miss ourselves in the process. That's so good. What has been your personal biggest change? There's like, there is like a whole bunch of stuff. And honestly, I feel like I'm still in process with it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've arrived or like finished and oh, I'm brilliant now. But I think like going back to that moment that I mentioned earlier about like back in July, August time when I sort of realized my reaction, my internal reaction pointed towards there's not, I'm maybe not as healthy as I thought I was. Mm. I think for me, you know, I realized that there was just a real imbalance to, I guess, how I was living my life. I have a I have an amazing role and job and nobody put it on me. I, I basically put myself in the position of mm. like having a lot on my plate because I run towards chaos. <laughs> you love it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, right, we we gotta lead through a pandemic. I'm like, I'll <laughs> I'll do it. Um and you know, and that's not because I think I'm the it's just like it's it's Built part within of my, yeah, it's exactly. part of your DNA. So by by about the summer I'd accumulated all this, oh yeah, 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 you know, all these kind of things. And it's actually it's like, man, you know, I'm not made for that. Mm. I'm not made for that level of, you know, I don't need to do it all. I don't need to be Superman. I don't need to get it all right. Those kind of things. Um, but I think the big thing for me that I realized back in the summer was that I wasn't creating space. I wasn't living with a rhythm that created space and distance from what I was involved in. So it's like, you know, we live nowadays like on WhatsApp where if you own a business or you lead or you pastor in a church or something like that, you're literally available 24-7. Yeah. And we also have a culture where actually we expect people to be available 24-7. Yeah, we do. You know, it's like we literally will text people at 11.30. We know we don't really think about, oh, they're probably in bed asleep. It's like you're always on call. And so I kind of I'd done that to others and I created a culture around me um, where it was like, I'm always on, just always on, just always on. And on, you know, not just kind of like a little bit on, but on, <laughs> you know, with everything. So I'll think about the three things and I could have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. And so, yeah, you know me. <laughs> um, and I just realized, you know, in the summer, it's like, man, this is unhealthy. So, 
you know, I disconnected from social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I disconnected from the news. The news was a big one, honestly. Yeah. I think because I was a news reader before COVID. I made a point of knowing what was going on, international affairs, all that kind of stuff, you know, understanding politics and government and what was, you know, what were the headlines in the world. But when COVID hit, all of a sudden, because it was something so unknown and I didn't understand it, the news became my, like, I would probably check it three or four times a day. It's a way of feeling in control of a situation you have absolutely no control over. It's true. But for me, it became, you know, you almost got to that point where I was like eating the news at such a vast rate, but also eating all of the sadness and the loss and the pain. And I I don't ever want to disconnect from the loss and the pain, but it's how much you feed yourself with it. I know that we got to a point in the summer where it's like, I... I am I'm hurting too much to hear another death toll. Some people would say, oh, you know, you just got to toughen up. And, you know, certainly that would have been my sort of mentality. It's like, oh, you can, you can go further, go harder, just freaking toughen up. And you know what? The reality is there's a lot of people that actually do need to take that approach in life. But for me, I almost went too far in that. And like I read a couple of books in that time that were very honestly just like liberating and freeing and really shaping. There were two statements in two separate books. And the first was this guy was basically saying, look, I've come to realize I'm one human being that can do one thing, one, you know, one at a time. You know, when he said that, I internally scoffed and was like, yeah, okay, well, that's you. But I can do seven things <laughs> at seven <laughs> times. And like, even like right now with digital, so you got Netflix is playing whilst you're on WhatsApp, whilst you're oh, on yeah. Facebook Marketplace, whilst you're on these things. But the thing is, it's actually like, that's not what human beings are designed for. Like we're actually made to be in the moment and in a singular moment. And so like, you know, my highlights, like being in the woods with B and seeing the deers, it was like a singular moment of presentness. Yeah. You know, the reason why those that lightning storm was so epic for me is like, this is a moment where I'm present. I'm not connected to everything that's going on and every bit of information. And in a weird way, I've been embracing my limitation. Yeah. And that's a dangerous thing for some people because actually we we project a limitation that we actually don't have. We need to break yeah. through that. But for me, actually, it's been really healthy yeah, good. And, and really helpful. But the second thing, actually, that like the human soul was not designed for the level of trauma we are ingesting, mm-hmm. like right now. Look, I think the fact that we're in touch with world events, it's a great thing. I think the fact that we're in touch with stuff that needs to change like atrocities racism um injustice inequalities that all of that stuff is good in the sense of the fact that we're aware of it and we can do something about it is Mm. great but the fact that we consume that constantly yeah day in day out we read murder tolls death tolls i mean heck we we've made it recreational to consume stuff that actually kills us yeah you know we watch and again, this is no judgment, but just if this challenges you, just don't get offended at me at saying this. Just maybe ask yourself a question about wh- why this might challenge you. Like for me as a Christian particularly, it's like I'm not sure that taking pleasure or interest in watching a series about a ser- uh, like a serial murderer, it's like, what's that doing to my soul? <laughs> yeah. What am I like? I'm literally watching the thought patterns of a serial killer. The human soul wasn't designed for that. And mm-hmm. so I think we've got to be in touch, but we can't be consumed by it. Mm. 
So like, you know, we started putting our phones away at what, like seven or eight PM and then not touching them till the morning. Saturdays was like, you know, nothing. We wouldn't mm. see anybody. It wouldn't like family day. You know, family Sandwich. day, rest day. We wouldn't um, you know, do any work. And honestly that has been revolutionary mm-hmm. because if you take time to disconnect you start to realize how reliant you are on it and it's like it is almost like an addiction yeah i remember saying to you back in august when i was kind of going through this moment of almost like kind of reinventing and and realizing it was like i feel like i can see the world with new colors because i wasn't looking at through an iphone screen and an iphone camera Mm -hmm. it was like and you know time with our kids was richer because it wasn't a digital version of it. Mm. It was like with them, time with you, those moments were so... That's why they're my highlights. Yeah. You know? Okay, so uh, like kind of bringing that around to parenting, how did that personal transformation and that kind of realisation about how you worked or how you were wired or how society was trying to wire you, how has that transformed your parenting? Th- th- again, like I want to be like super real. It's transforming... Like, I am way away from where I want to get mm. as a dad and as a husband and as a as a man. So I am not the perfect article. I'm blessed because I've got some great friends who are either parenting in the same phase as me, mm. guys, I mean, or, you know, great inspiring friends and leaders who have parented through this. And, you know, mm. so I, like, I'm around people that remind me how far I've got to go in a good way. Yeah. I guess what I think probably the the fairest way to answer the question is like, what has it begun in the way I, I parent? I think honestly, the first thing, like I get real, like honest about this. I think as a guy, I realized how much or how quickly or how easily I'd actually avoid parenting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Oh, uh, oh yeah, I've got to take this call. Actually, no, taking this call is easier than sitting at the dinner table when everybody's screaming. That's true. Like, that's an ugly thing to say, but it's like, this is what I was realizing about my parenting. Mm-hmm. Actually, like, I love our kids and I love time with them. But when you are like constantly on or it's high pressure, it's like almost easier to go to work at seven. Oh yeah, just I'm going to go to work at seven and work through till six or eight. Like, for a man, I think it's also very, it's like it can be escapism, and it can be like, and we cover it over with, well, I'm providing. And hey, I'm I, d- can I just quickly want to add, I don't think that's a guy thing. I think I know for me, sort of ugly truth here, I will find social media is like an escape from my children asking me the same question over and over and over, and it's like, you might say you will disguise that kind of like, oh, I'm finding parenting hard in this moment, so I'm going to go to work. Well, I'm like, I'm finding the parenting hard at the moment. Well, I'm going to escape to my phone because I, c- I can't go to work. Yeah. Someone has to be in the same room as these children. Otherwise, they will, you know, bite each other. <laughs> so <laughs> so I escape into my phone. I, I don't think it's a guy thing. I do think it... Yeah, I do think you have a different perspective. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I guess the guy factor for us is I think, you know, again, like ugly truth. It's easier sometimes for a guy to go to work and do something practical and get a result at the end of the day Mm -hmm. than invest in, you know, parenting and not get a result at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. And, 
you know, again, like, hey, you know, there's a balance. Like, we do actually need space from our kids. We do actually need to, like, get away. But I think for me, like, it was just that ugly truth of, you know, man, do I actually really need to work this much? Or is this an easier thing? Mm. And how did that change? I think first things first, it's like, that's a horrible thing. Mm. I think I let that be very confronting. You have to sit in it for a bit. Yeah, you do. Because otherwise you change for a bit and then you go back to the old habits. It's like it has to sting. I think there's a massive difference between conviction and condemnation. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't sit there going, I'm such a terrible dad. I'm such a terrible. I'm so bad Bad at everything. I'm terrible. I haven't got, you know, because again, like I could tell you some of the stuff I did well as a dad in 2020. But conviction is like when it cuts deep and you have to do something about it. That's healthy yeah that's healthy yeah it's like that confronting conversation with the doctor where it's like you have to do something about this and i think i had to acknowledge that and i had to be like really honest with myself that that as a dad and as a man that was it so i one of the books i read in this like time one of the questions it asked which was like oh my goodness this that is tough question to answer is it said are you living out of your marriage and your family um or are you living out of your work or your, in this case, like your ministry or like your responsibilities? And that question was just like a gut punch. And I came to you and I said, score me out of 10 on this. And you said, oh, no, you're great. Like you do this and you're buying me stuff and we go on date nights. And, you know, you're there with the kids when you come home. It's like, yeah, yeah. But what actually is my primary motive? Do I fit you guys in well, albeit, but do I fit you guys in around my primary motive, which is my work, my calling, my ministry, the things I have to do? Mm. Um, Or actually are you as my wife and my kids actually primal kind of focus? Mm. In other words, you know, when, when I get that request for a meeting, do I think, oh yeah, I can do that meeting. Hey, Saz, I'm not going to be home uh, you know, at five, I'll be home at six. Or it's actually like, oh, hang on a second. No, I want to be home at five. Mm-hmm. It's not even I got to be, like I want to be. I, so like I started again, you know, Christian and I've got a faith. So like some of, some of how I action this stuff is I start to pray and I start mm-hmm. to say to God, hey, look, you know, I, would you start changing these parts of me? And so like I honestly started praying things like, make me want to be at the dinner table. Like I want to want to be at the dinner table. Um, rather than I've got to be there because, you know, it's a good family function, but really, man, this is quite irritating and I've had a stressful day as it is. (laughs) You know, there are times where it's like, okay, go have 10 minutes. You don't need to sit amongst the screaming and the shouting. (laughs) I think for me, it was like, it wasn't just, I I didn't just want to change what I was doing. I wanted to change what I was wanting. Yeah, it's good. Like, I want you to be my first filter. You know, and this is obviously in a Christian context, it's actually I want God to be my first yeah. filter. I want my relationship with him to be my first filter. After that, you as my wife. After that, our children. Mm-hmm. And then from there, kind of like the primary responsibilities and the primary things that we, you know, are called to and we need to do. And so it's actually been about trying to go on the journey of changing my actual tastes, desires and motives not just actions and that's why i say like i'm still on that journey it's a great journey to be on yeah yeah i mean honestly like it it is 
like I love I've I have and always have loved our kids, but like it's so great to be with them. They're so funny. They're amazing. They're brilliant. Like it's like it's like why why would you not want to spend time with these four incredible human beings that yes, are crazy. Yes, you're caring for them, but it's like I'd I'd rather be with them than in that work meeting. Even though I love my work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it absolutely makes sense. I think often um, the worst of people filters to the top and we kind of remember the bad bits. And so when we're already pressured or when we're already tired or stressed, it is the straw that breaks the camel back. You come home and you're feeling that or you've been in home feeling that all day. It will be the children's tired, you know, feeding time at the zoo kind of behavior that you get between five and seven that, that will make you feel like you're everything is bad and it's all yeah different. and so like one thing that i've started i did i can't do this every day but one of the things i certainly did in the last in the first couple of months of responding to this four till five was my like land the plane so that i'm not finishing work at five five thirty you know or finishing a high pressure meeting or a stressful kind of conversation mm. because if i come literally like we're having dinner at 505 and I've been in something until five. It's like, there's no way yeah. I'm going to come to that that table healthy. Yeah. It's going to be like hard. And so like there was, it was like, okay, I'm n- I stopped allowing my calendar to be like booked with meetings except mm. for exceptional times. And that's the thing, right? When you live healthily most of the time, you can live healthily through the exceptions as well. Yeah. So like there are times that I have to, I just have to do a a high level amount of work or mm-hmm. a high level amount of hours or filming outside or connecting with other countries out of hours. Yeah, or like you know big events that we do and it's like two weeks of just 14 15 hour days just to make mm-hmm. sure stuff like gets done. And that happens, but if you're living healthy in the, the rest, rest of the, of the time, year. Exactly. You you build up like a residual thing. So like small adjustments like okay you know, the dinner table is like, it's a precious place. Yeah, it is. And and actually, it's a space where you, we can catch up. And yeah, do you know what? Sometimes it's just our son joking about farting. <laughs> you know, like... The girl's latest enthusiastic phase. Yeah, the l- or obsession, let's call it what it is. You know, the <laughs> latest thing that, you know, it's like, yes, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear that, that fact for the 17th time. <laughs> you know, every single survey that's ever been done of people that in the latter days of life, conscious that they're about to pass away. Every single survey about like life's greatest regrets has always included in the top three, I wish I spent more time yeah. with my loved ones. And I feel like 2020 has forced us into more time. Mm. But the big danger is, is if we don't transform to want mm. more time, we're going to come out of this and go back to all the unhealthy lifestyles that yeah, we, we will. before. And it will be fantastic to not have to homeschool. Like, no no joke. It'll be fantastic to be able to have dinner with your friends and things like that. But I think when it comes to parenting, like, again, I know it's been deeply challenging. Like, we've talked, haven't we? Like, mm. you know, for single-parent families. Oh. It's like, w- we honor you. We yeah, salute we do. you. Yeah. You know, Respect we've, you. we've struggled and we've been doing it together. You know, it's like man it's i don't want to kind of what i'm about to say i don't want to be like it's just been so great it's just such a gift no it's it's been challenging this Mm. year is taken from us this pandemic continues to take from us it's robbing us it's hard it's tough but there are 
opportunities that are like gifts. So the fact that we've been forced in this space of being more together, it, it could be in some ways a gift to us to realize some things about ourselves and not carry on the bad sides of that. Yeah, yeah I, I want to be... I want to be more present with our kids uh, because honestly, like when you get present with them, it's really enjoyable. Yeah, it's great fun. It's great. And I want to be more about where they're at than where I'm at. Oh, that's a good ending. Uh, okay, great. <laughs> <We're done. laughs> no, last question. One last question. It's a, pe- it's a question I ask anyone and everyone. Um, What is your one parenting essential like? Characteristic, you. <laughs> you can't say me because I can't be there for everyone. Thing TV, <laughs> <laughs> sweets, all the okay. unhealthy things. Just pick one. Paw Patrol. No. Um, do you want a serious answer? Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, and it, it for s- for you know people of faith, Christians, it'll be, oh, it's cliche, but I think like just relationship with God is like, you know, the Bible describes him as a father. So it's like he literally has everything I need to be a good good dad. Mm. Um, So I think that's obviously, you know, massive one for me. Huge. And, but, you know, outside of that, what's my go-to? I think, like, honestly, like creating a culture of assessing and changing. Mm -hmm. It's like the worst thing I think anybody can do in life in any area but especially in parenting is expect perfection yeah and so i think it's like the go-to for me is when not if when i fail figure out why and go at it differently next time Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is literally like this for me it's like the one go-to tool because if if i expect myself to get it right every single day well (laughs) i'm sadly gonna fail that mark very quickly yeah but if I just commit to learning week by week, day You're by good. week, you know, and so Very like good. that's why I ask you questions like, you know, what did I, how could I do that differently? I asked my mates, like I was with a buddy of mine and we were doing some volunteering at the school that our kids go to. And, you know, we got a couple of hours painting the room. And so I'd noticed he was doing something with his kids that like just hadn't come to mind for me. So I was like, dude, like, why are you doing that? And how did you do it? Because it looks really good. Um, and so I think, yeah, just like assessing, changing and looking to others and, you know, like parenting is literally the most sensitive part of any area oh, that yeah. people can speak into. Like you've got to have people that are inspiring you. You've got to humble yourself to go, Hey, I'm not as good at that as oh, you. Can absolutely. you, can you tell me why and how you do that? But we don't like doing that as parents because we know that our parenting is probably the single greatest reflection on us. Yeah. So we don't want to assess it because actually we have to confront ourselves. and We don't want to ask for advice because then we failed. And we don't want to compare ourselves to somebody else or be, sorry, comparison's not good, but we don't want to necessarily be inspired because then, oh, well, why? It means we're not good enough. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, man, just, that's just going to get you in a bad place. It's true. Humble yourself. Recognize your wrongs, change, ask for advice. I said you'd only have one. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Sarah, thank you for having me. Sarah, 
that's so funny. There you are, Saz's guys. name is Sarah. Loads of you have just learned my name. real name. Sarah Ann Thomas. Thank you. And we love <laughs> that we will hopefully... Should I just keep interrupting <laughs> you while you're trying to close up this episode? No. Okay. Uh, we'll have loads more dads joining us. Thank you for what you've brought. Thank you that... Dad life. I will make that the hashtag for you, babe. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> we love that you're with us. And please join us again next week. Take care. Bye.